Look, I will buy into the Packers and their ability to make another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers when they are up double digits with less than two minutes left in the NFC Championship game. Because I'm not doing this again. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. going to try to avoid bringing this up today, but the more I thought about it through after the, uh, throughout the afternoon, I think it's just best if we address it at the very top, the front of the show. Um, we spent a collective, uh, I don't know how much time during last week's show preparing for a Jimmy Buffett concert. And I know I wasn't the only one, but it was, it was mostly, um, and that Jimmy Buffett concert on Saturday was canceled. And you might be thinking, Grant, I cannot believe we wasted so much time last week talking about something that didn't even happen. And I would agree with you. Yes. Wow. What a, a, a shameful waste of valuable time on the Wisco Sports Show to preview and chat about a concert that ended up getting canceled. Yes, I agree. What a waste. However, how is that any different than previewing a Packers playoff run or a Brewers playoff run? <laughs> Because God knows, the, the, the Brewers and the, and the Packers, they're not getting canceled before the playoffs, but we both know, come on, they're not going very far. <laughs> like, we previewed the Packers' playoff run last year for weeks, only to have them score seven points on offense, or ten points, whatever it was, and lose in the first game they played. And last summer, three months, two months with the Brewers, previewing the playoffs, previewing the playoffs. Oh, oh how are they going to handle the pitching? And then they, they go claws up and they lose to the Braves in the NLDS. So I would feel bad wasting time on last week's show talking so much about the Buffett concert because it got canceled. But what's the difference? None of our teams go the distance anyways. We talk about them nonetheless. <laughs> it's actually quite fitting. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an awesome weekend. I had a great weekend. Uh, except for the fact that the, the the concert of the summer, the show of the year probably at Alpine Valley got canceled. However, that means you are spared from a 10-minute long concert review and a breakdown of the set list. So you're welcome. You, you're lucky in that regard. We're just going to talk about the Brewers and the Packers and the Bucks instead. Wow. I know. Boring. 608-796-2558. Give me a text or a call if you want to talk Brewers, which is what we're going to start with tonight. Before too long, I want to get to the Packers. Some big news about David Bakhtiari. And today we're bringing in a big gun. Help us break it down. Mike Clements is going to join us at 445. He was at the shareholders meeting today, which I I didn't even realize was today, honestly. And as a shareholder myself, I, I know that's very irresponsible of me. I got to be on top of these things. I know, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to go. You know, maybe we could have a proxy meeting on the western side of the state. You know, could we set up shop in lacrosse? Maybe we could rent out the lacrosse center and we could cater to some of the West. I, I can't drive over there on a work day. Okay. But we're going to get the latest from Mike Clements. He was there. And I also want to talk with him about David Bakhtiari, who's on the pup list, which I mean, it depends on who you ask what that means. It's not good in any way, uh, but exactly how bad and exactly, how, you know, what bad things that the pup list means. It kind of depends on who you ask. I'm really interested to get Mike Clemens' thoughts. He's coming up in 45 minutes. At 5.30, I want to talk bucks because I'm going to take a victory lap on something I was very, very, very right about. Very right. Very, very right. So we're going to do that in, in a half hour. I want to start with the Brewers. 
I'm glad you're here. Again, give me a call or a text, 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We've spent a lot of our summer, I think, squabbling, arguing amongst ourselves about the Brewers. It's actually been rather nonstop, right? Whether they can contend, whether they should buy or sell. Buy or sell. Remember that gem of a radio segment back in the olden days of the Bill Michaels show? By that, I mean, like, what, four years ago? Buy or sell. Right? Should the Brewers be buyers? Should they be sellers? Stand pat, right? Should we fire the hitting coach? Wait, actually, hold on. That was that was that was last year. That was like we did that last year. We're off the hitting coach this year. Okay, well, this year we've been arguing contender or not, buyer or seller, right? Can this team hang with the Mets or the Dodgers? Forget about the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds. I don't think Brewers fans are unique in this. I think there's probably a lot of baseball fandoms out there. They're in a very similar spot. Cardinals fans probably in a similar spot. Probably wondering, man, we you know we have these big bats in the lineup, but the pitching really isn't there. Is it worth it to add the pitching and go for it, or should we wait? Now, of course, Juan Soto has been added into the mix for Cardinals fans, so I suppose that's a little different. Twins fans, though, what about Twins fans? I've seen tweets and Facebook posts, and I you know grew up next to Minnesota. I have a lot of Minnesota sports fans that are my friends, and they're it depends, right? They're mixed. On one hand, they're leading the division, and of course, any team can get hot. But on the other hand, it's like, well, I've seen tweets suggesting, well, maybe we trade Carlos Correa if it's not looking good in a couple of weeks, right? Because they only have him on a one-year deal. So I think a lot of Major League Baseball fan bases have very similar conversations to us, right? Some fans think that we can win the World Series. Things just need to fall the right way. And then there's other fans that believe themselves to be more realistic. That's really defined our season up until this point. Now, a lesser radio host might tell you, hey, enjoy the ride. You know, don't worry about what's coming on the horizon. Just enjoy the ride. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey, right? It's That's what sports are about. It's not whether you win championships or not, but do you have fun along the way? Some people would, would tell you that. Now, normally I'm a big journey guy. Love the journey. Uh, but the destination in, in this instance, uh, pretty important, right? Where the Brewers are going to shape up in a month or two. However, this 2022 Brewers journey, really excluding April and May, has kind of sucked. Normally, I'm a big journey guy. Not so much in sports. Sometimes in sports. I like to enjoy a journey as much as the next guy. But this year's journey has sucked. Under 500 in the month of June, they went 12 and 15. They went 9 and 9 prior to the All-Star break in July. The All-Star break that wrapped up for the Brewers last Friday. A couple of teams back in action on Thursday. I guess we could be Nationals fans or Oakland Athletic fans. Uh, We'd be the first. We'd be the only A's fans. Um, So so I I don't mean to make it sound like 12 and 15 or 9 and 9 is the end of the world, but we had expectations about this team. We're expecting progress. We are in the NLCS three, four years ago, and we haven't gotten back to that point yet. That starts to wear on you. See Packers, Green Bay, 2010 to now. How's this been for a decade? This has been mentally stimulating? No, it's been a disaster. It has been stressful, and it sucks. And it's similar with the Brewers this year. It's been clunky, and it's felt worse than the record would indicate, right? The offense goes through these long, flat, miserable slumps where they don't score, and there's no life, there's no juice. And even in moments where the offense got hot over the last month or two, that's when the pitching would go in the tank, because of course. And when everything lined up beautifully, that's when Josh Hader started blowing games. So it just sucked. It wasn't fun. The vibes were poor. I think we all needed the all-star break, right? Like if you are in a 
toxic relationship or a toxic friendship, start to resent each other, start to neglect each other. There's poor communication, poor connection, right? I mean, if, if you watch Valley Sports Wisconsin and that's how you get the Brewers, there's literally a, a lack of connection because there's no connection because that app is the worst app ever. So you are literally in a toxic relationship with the Brewers if you watch on any sort of stream through Valley Sports Wisconsin because they, they stink. They're, they're the worst, right? But you come home at night for a week during the All-Star break and you learn to live without each other. Right? I learn what it's like to go throughout my summer nights without the Brewers and we take some time to reflect. We learn to be by ourselves so we can learn to be together again, right? It's a nice, nice analogy. Like, what did you do, do uh, during your All-Star break last week? Right? You hang out with some friends, maybe on nights where you normally would have watched the Brewers. Maybe you watched a movie. You got into a show. Right, I went fishing on last Monday night. That was really fun. Skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing. I, two point seven seconds. Tim McGraw. We had a Tim McGraw reference on the show. I think two weeks ago. Tim McGraw keeps popping up. Right, but we did other things with our lives last week, and I think that was good. Right. So when the Brewers came back on Friday night, it felt like we missed them, and hopefully they felt like they missed baseball, and we we missed each other. Right, and come back on Friday night. Sparks are flying. Friday night's game was a blast, and Saturday they played really well, and yesterday the game was great, and it seemed like a little time apart did us good, right? Seemed like that was healthy. That was beneficial. I tweeted last night at Wisco Grant that these three games over the weekend were better than 95% of the games in the entire first half. You can think of a couple of games and a couple of moments in the first half of the 2022 season that were very good, but by and large, most of it stunk. In the last three games, wow. Great. There's offense that's coming out in big moments. There's, you know, battling at bats, especially yesterday. There's, you know, the offense coming back and, and reigning in a deficit as they did on Friday. And then Brandon Woodruff was great on Saturday. And just lots to cheer for, a lot to be excited about. It would have been a really fun weekend to be at the ballpark. My parents went to a game on Saturday. I had some friends that went on Friday. And it was just, it was a great time. There was life. There was energy. There was entertainment. And those things were severely lacking in the first half, even when the Brewers were winning. Like this moment on Friday night from Hunter Renfro. Two and two, the count. Stevenson deals. Renfro in the air. Left center. And we tied. In the clutch, Hunter Renfro delivers. Two out, two strike, two run. Game tying homer. Wow. Really fun moment on Friday night. You thought the game was over. Two out, two strikes. Hunter Renfro ties it up. Extra innings. I know traditionalists, and sometimes I'm one of them. Sometimes we don't like the runner starting on second, but you got to admit, it is it is electric. It is very entertaining. And you're on the edge of your seat because you know in the top of the inning, or in the Brewers' case on Friday, in the bottom of the inning, and it's tied. If you don't score, you are now putting your next pitcher in a position where the runner's at second and nobody's out. Like, the swings back and forth in extra innings. You go from one moment feeling like, oh, we're going to win for sure, to two minutes later, oh, we're going to lose for sure. The pendulum and extra innings is just nuts. Woodruff was really solid on Saturday, and the Brewers were putting up more runs. And then yesterday, Brewers came back a couple of times, and it was capped off by this Andrew McCutcheon double. McCutcheon rips one. Center field. Over the head of Daza. In the score of Thomas. To Les right behind him. Andrew McCutcheon. Call him Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCl- Andrew McClutchin. That makes it sound like a chicken thing, doesn't it? Like cluck cluck. 
Los Pollos Hermanos. Tonight, uh, Better Call Saul's back, by the way. Hopefully we get a call from Eric on I-90 today and we can preview tonight's episode with him. But a big moment from Hunter Renfro on Friday. Just an all-around really solid game that by and large had action. Maybe not start to finish, but action throughout on Saturday. And then on Sunday, yesterday, if you were watching or listening to that game, you knew that you couldn't put the game away. You couldn't turn the game off. The Brewers were up 3-0 yesterday and then fell behind 6-5 and then fell behind again 8-6. I was driving back from Milwaukee yesterday, and I'm very quick to turn the game off. If I want to listen to a podcast or if I want to listen to music, I'll check in on the Brewer game. But it's very rare. Like, if I have a three-hour drive, I'm normally not listening to the Brewer game the whole time. I listened to the whole, the whole thing yesterday. Probably two and a half hours of my drive, I was listening to the Brewer game. Because something felt different about yesterday's game. Something felt like... You just can't turn it off because it's not done yet, even when they were down two runs. There were so many games in the first half of the season that were just meaningless because they'd fall behind four to nothing in the second inning. Game's over. It's like that. Might as well turn it off. Might as well do something else because our, our offense isn't coming back. You kidding me? No way. Down four nothing. And they weren't down four runs yesterday. They were down two later in the game, but it just felt like the offense was going to do something about it. Yesterday's game felt right in all the ways that so many first-half games felt wrong. You know what I mean? And we're going to argue about the Brewers, and we're going to debate whether they're contenders or they're just decent. Well, they're only good because they're in a bad division. And, well, they can beat up on the Reds, but there's no way they can hang with the Mets and the Reds. Like, all of the arguments that we've had all season long. They should trade Hater. No, they shouldn't trade Hater. Yeah, they should. They should uh, build up for next year. I think they should trade for Juan Soto. No way. They're not ready. Juan Soto won't help. All of these debates that we've had. If we're going to continue to do this, and we are, I at least want to enjoy the games in the meantime. (laughs) You know what I mean? If we're going to argue about the ride, I at least want to enjoy the ride. I just want to have a good time. When I go home after the show and I sit down on my couch, I at least want to have a fun game to watch before I come back in here the next day and feel the call from Dave and Cudahy about how they should trade all their good players despite this team never winning anything before. It's like, oh, I, I know we're contending, but we should, we should stop that. Stop contending and get rid of all our good players. The games this weekend were fun. I don't know if they meant a whole lot. We'll talk in the second part of the show about Maybe some encouraging signs over the weekend, like Brent Suter being a competent, useful reliever. Awesome sign. Bodes really well for the Brewers in the second half. Luis Urias had a couple nice moments. He had what felt like a two-month stretch where he didn't do anything. So that's important. Mike Brasso as a situational pinch hitter against lefties. Uh Excuse me, secret weapon? Maybe, perhaps. I don't know. We'll talk about it. So there were some things over the weekend that I wrote down and I said, maybe if these things are, are more of a thing in the second half, then maybe this team will be better and there's more reason to to get fired up. So we'll talk about that later on in the show. But for now, my point to start tonight's show, it was a fun weekend. And so many games in the first half weren't fun. In fact, they were the opposite. They really sucked. They made me want to pull my hair out and turn the game off and go to bed angry, which I did a lot. This weekend was a little different. 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Let's take a three-minute break. Talk more Brewers, including some news. They extended Aaron Ashby. I love it. And this contract tells us a lot both about Ashby and about the Brewers and their relationship and a pretty cool dynamic that's going on in Milwaukee right now. We'll talk about that when we come back in three minutes. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're talking Brewers. I want to talk about the Aaron Ashby extension because I think it teaches us a lot about how the Brewers operate. This is very similar to the Freddie Peralta deal a couple of years ago, but not every team in baseball has the luxury of being able to sign deals like this. A lot of money early, right? The Brewers showing a lot of trust in Peralta years ago. That paid off. Showing a lot of trust in Aaron Ashby, and I think the Brewers and Brewers fans believe that it's going to pay off. I'll talk about why that is, the dynamic. I think it's really cool. Uh, but first, I was perusing Twitter over the break, at Wisco Grant, and there is a graphic that was tweeted here that I wanted to share. Uh, MLB tweeted this 20 minutes ago. An early look at some notable names that will be eligible for the 2023 Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, you know for my conversations with David Gasper that I love bringing up old random names. This is a treasure trove. So some of the bigger names, yes, Carlos Beltran, Jacoby Ellsbury, John Lackey. Um, those really aren't, those aren't random. Those are names that we remember. But some of the more maybe forgotten names that I, I laughed. So Matt Cain, we actually talked about the last couple of weeks. I think I talked about with Ben Kenny because we were comparing these brewers to some of those Giants teams from earlier in the decade. Andre Ethier, God, I hadn't thought about him in a long time. Uh, Mike Napoli, Francisco Rodriguez, Jared Weaver, Jason Worth, and Houston Street. I was thinking about Houston Street yesterday because we got late into the game with the Rockies, and I thought, who is that guy? He used to close for the Rockies. His last name was Street. It was his first name, Daryl or Mike. What was it? No, it was Houston Street. Picture the Padres, the A's, and then the Rockies. So some of these names, Andre Ethier, I haven't thought about him in years. And it's cool because you see pictures of these guys and you see their name and you're like, wow, I used to think about that guy, not every day, but that guy was very much in my zeitgeist of baseball fandom. And then you forget about them for a few years. And you're like, oh yeah, I remember Jason Worth, the beard, the long hair. I remember Andre Ethier. I, yeah, <laughs> I love looking at old baseball names. Again, MLB tweeted that out 20 minutes ago. If you really want to go look at pictures and look at names, but I think I'd Summarized it for the most part. 608-796-2558 if you want to give me a text or a call to talk Brewers. But I'm so obsessed with the trade deadline. I've had my blinders on a little bit. I've been uh, neglectful to maybe some other topics with the Packers or even with the Brewers. If it hasn't been adding a star at the trade deadline, I haven't wanted to touch it. A little, little obsessed about the trade deadline. Uh, I've been a little neglectful maybe to some other topics. You know, like... Uh, like, like I had a huge deadline at work. I've been neglecting, not spending enough time with my proverbial wife and children. That's how I've been hosting the show the last week. Christian Watson went on the pup last week. We didn't even talk about it. I think David Minona brought it up just to say that he had ping pong paddles for hands. Actually, that was Eric on I-90. That wasn't Dave. Although Dave hates Christian Watson too, so it's one and the same. Uh, we haven't talked about the addition of McGee, Brewer's new reliever, or the new deal for Aaron Ashby. And I want to do that here in a minute or two. First, let's talk to Binks on the island. 608-796-2558. Binks, what's going on? Hey, Aaron Ashby. What is he, 4-9 and nine with a 4.9 ERA? Oh, come on. You can't you can't boil this contract down to his numbers just this season. Come on now. That's 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 way too basic. Okay, You're better than okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Is it more important to sign this guy... Or is it more important to at least do our damnedest to try to shed some payroll and try to at least boil that number down and keep at least Woodruff or Burns? I know you can't keep both Woodruff and Burns, but you have to you have to do your damnedest. You can't yeah. 
let one of those two get away. And to to sink all your money into Aaron Ashby, I cringed, man. I was like, I I was like, oh man, that's like a that's like a watered down beer. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, um. that's, I mean, they, they don't have to be related, right? It's not like this money comes out of the Corbin Burns account. Anasio can pay. But first of all, as Brewers fans, I want to stop saying we can't pay Burns and Woodruff, right? We got we to stop doing the, the PR work for Mark Anasio. He could pay anyone and everyone if he wanted. He is going to probably choose to not pay them. There's a big difference. There's no law that says he can't. He probably just won't. So that, that was my, I guess, my first response to what you said. But also, I don't know that they're related. I think Aaron Ashby and Burns and Woodruff are all on very different planes of existence, different trajectories. I, I don't I don't think this deal for Ashby will prevent them from keeping one of those other guys. I, I just don't see that kind of money going towards Aaron Ashby. He doesn't have that kind of distance yet. You know, not that Corbin Burns or, you know, they, they have at least got three, three years of peace underneath them. But, I mean, they're... They're good pitchers. Um, you know, Burns, he, he fizzled out. We wondered what the heck happened, but he got himself straightened out. And, you know, I'm happy for it. And, um, uh, yeah, but your, your, your comment about Aaron Ashby and you're, you're, you're excited about that. Yeah. I can't, I can't get excited about it. I was like, wow, that's a lot of money for him. Um, well, I, I think I, I, Binks, Eric, I think the dream is that in two or three years that this contract looks like a bargain the way it does for Freddie Peralta. I think that's the goal. Isn't this year, but what it looks like in two or three seasons? Okay, okay, okay. Um, I I was listening to your to our friend uh, Evo and uh, mm-hmm. Rowdy this morning. I had a I got quite a commute today, and uh, it was pretty interesting. It was a, a clear shot radio signal, and. Um, they were talking Brewers all morning, and these were some actually good uh, Brewer games. This, uh, they were very entertaining. Like they were they fun. Said. Yeah. Um, they were, yeah, that's, uh, it was, uh, if it wasn't for Hunter Renfro, we were, I think, they, I don't think we would have won, probably would have only taken one of the games. But, uh, you know, yes, home run do matter at times, but uh, uh, McCutcheon, you know, clutch McCutch, whatever they call him, that's yeah. awesome. And it was it was it was it was fun. And uh, also, a little side note for you: had a land shark at the larger <laughs> field. This, uh, <laughs> oh, that that was after the storm. I can't believe they played ball, but uh, I got some tickets, and uh, my best friend was in town, and we uh, headed over to the larger field after dinner, and and. Um, Somebody uh, was kind enough to uh, give us some some uh, uh, a wristband, oh. uh, so I was like, I got to try this stuff, and I thought of you. I I toasted one to you, man. Wow! And and uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty powerful. So I'm impressed stuff. that they got that game uh, played on Saturday. I'm impressed that there was a single event anywhere in the state that went off without a hitch on Saturday night because the weather was nuts and it was it seemed like from north to south. Like I know there was a soccer game at Lambeau. I, I can't believe they got that played. I feel like they played through lightning. I was going to a concert on Saturday night that got canceled. I saw some videos from my buddy who yeah. works for the loggers. That looked like a nightmare. Saturday night, you were just lucky to see a baseball game, let alone have a delicious land shark. Wow, what a night. Yeah. And you know, and here's another thing I thought about you, too, is I had that land shark. 
there was not one home run in that game. No. Fundamentals. Was, Small it ball. Was all, it was all singles and doubles. Mm-hmm. Small I ball. I couldn't believe it. There was a lot of strikeouts, but it was good stuff. Good yeah. stuff, man. So, well, hell yeah. Um, okay. Hey, uh, uh, enjoy the rest of the evening, and um, I'm enjoying the rest of the commute home. So keep up the Brewer Talk and the uh, uh, Wisco Sports Talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that, Banks. Have a good night on the, uh, on the island. God, you got a land shark at the logger game. Sounds fantastic. The the point about the Aaron Ashby contract, it's not supposed to be amazing now. It was the same with Freddie Peralta. You're like, man, that's a lot of years, a lot of money for him. But the idea is he keeps developing, he keeps getting better, and in two or three years, they have locked up this guy who is one of their main starters, one of their main arms, right? So five years, up to $41.5 million. There's team options in 28 and 29 so by the time Aaron Ashby is not under team control, let's see, we're talking about 2030. I mean, Hawaii will probably be in the Big Ten at that, at that point in time. We're talking about a lot of team control, a lot of time where he's going to be a brewer. This is a great deal for the Brewers and for Ashby. But it's a deal, in my opinion, that a lot of teams can't do. The Brewers are in a unique spot where they felt in you know comfortable investing all this money into Aaron Ashby at age 24. And they feel comfortable in investing in him for all the same reasons they felt comfortable investing in Freddie Peralta in 2019. The Brewers trust their system and their pitching lab or whatever it is they call it. They have so much trust in the way they develop pitchers that they can invest in a pitcher before he's a finished product with faith that it's going to turn out well. And I think it's pretty appealing to Aaron Ashby because at a young age, before you're getting to arbitration, before you're reaching the open market, you can sign up for all this guaranteed money and all of this security financially, and the Brewers can get away with it because they trust how they develop their guys, right? And most teams can't do that. Imagine you are, think of it this way. Imagine you're the parent of a high school senior, strapping young man, and there's a wedding coming up. And, uh, and, and your child, he needs a suit, doesn't have a suit. So it's time to buy him his first suit. And you go to the store and you can't go all out and get the nice suit because what if he has a growth spurt? Right? What if he grows another three inches or his shoulders fill out? Maybe maybe he goes to school in the next next year and he puts on that freshman 15. Now his suit doesn't fit anymore, right? With the Brewers and their pitching development, they have the freedom and confidence to invest early in their guys. It would be like clothes shopping with 100% certainty that you're not going to grow or shrink or gain weight. You can buy a suit. You can buy a really nice suit and know that it's going to work out. You're not going to have to get a replacement. You're not going to have to sell it in two years. It's not going to get too small. You know that this thing that you're buying into right now is going to continue to work for you into the future. So you can invest early, right? As a parent, you don't have to get a a, a cheap suit and then upgrade in a few and upgrade again. No, no, no. Lock it down now because you have certainty that it's going to work out for you. And the Brewers, the way they've developed pitchers and the way they've gotten this thing down to a science, they can invest early. And this deal is probably, I would imagine, going to age really, really, really well, just like it has with Freddie Peralta. Let's take a break. We can talk about Aaron Ashby a little bit more. Another one of the Brewers' new additions. They have a 35-year-old reliever. I didn't know he was 35 when I saw the news. And remember, Mike Clemens is going to join us in about 15 minutes to talk about the owners' meeting today and that David Bakhtiari news. I'm very eager to get his perspective on that because I feel like I'm kind of freaking out about it. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know, but Mike's going to tell me what I should do and how I should feel, and I'm excited for that. He's going to join us in 15. More Brewers Talk, back in five minutes. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Mike Clemens going to be here in about 10 minutes. Yeah. His first, well, he's been with us in 2022, but his first appearance of the 2022-2023 NFL season. Mike Clements, we're going to talk about the owners meeting and about David Bakhtiari being on the pup list and exactly what that means. Depends on who you ask. Some people say it's just precautionary, taking it slow, might as well put him on the pup, doesn't hurt because if then you get to camp and you can't go, then you just leave him on the pup. You don't have to put him on a reserve list or whatever. And then some people like his career is probably over. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll get the voice of reason from Mike Clements. He's on Twitter at Mike Clements NFL. We're going to hook up with him in about 10 minutes. Right now, we're talking about the Aaron Ashby deal. I said the Brewers are in a great spot with their pitching, obviously, because they have Woodruff and Burns and all these guys. But they've built so much confidence, and they've built such a good process for developing these pitchers where they're comfortable paying guys before they come into their own. They paid Freddie Peralta before he was ever a firmly entrenched, established starter. But... The Brewers are so confident and they're so sturdy in the way in which they develop guys and the way they bring them up. They just need to see a couple of things and like, okay, yeah, we see the talent. We see this. We see the work ethic is good. Pay him now. It'll age beautifully. And with Peralta, it has. Um, I know he's hurt this year, but he's a much better pitcher than his contract would indicate. And I think that will be the case with Aaron Ashby too. And what I compared it to is imagine if you could go shopping for clothes knowing that you're not going to grow at all knowing that you're not going to add weight, you're not going to shrink, uh, your shoulders aren't going to get bigger, so you can buy knowing that, okay, I'm going to buy the suit and I can wear it the rest of my life. That's basically what the Brewers can do with young pitchers right now. They can pay Freddie Peralta knowing that he's going to continue to progress and the Brewers are going to continue to give him the resources to get better. The Brewers are going to help him, but they believe in him and they have confidence in him to the point where they can maybe seemingly overpay for him now, knowing that the contract is going to age greatly. Here's Aaron Ashby on wanting to stay with the Brewers. This is the organization that drafted me um, in 2018. And um, it's I just have felt nothing but love, to be honest. I mean, the, these guys have been awesome. The, uh, everyone in the minor leagues who's helped me. Um, Jim, Jim's been with me the entire time. So um, I owe a lot of thanks to him and what, what he's done for my career and hooky. And just, just it, it's just, it's a, there's a level of comfortability here that's just... Um, it, it's, it's awesome. So he's comfortable with the Brewers. Brewers are comfortable with their pitching in general. But if you listen to David Stern's comments, which I didn't save because, you know, they're pretty generic, but talked about his work ethic and he's always getting better and he's always wanting to learn. That's what Craig Housel said too. Aaron Ashby's always asking questions. He's, he's a natural learner. He wants to add things to his game. So the Brewers feel great about Ashby. Ashby feels great about the Brewers. And it's this, connection of trust and belief and confidence that allows a deal like this to happen. And it's the same with Peralta. And I no doubt if Ethan Small ever becomes a piece on this team, if he's not traded or something doesn't happen with him, could very well follow the same progression here in a couple of years. Now, they also brought in uh, Jake McGee. Yeah, I thought he was some young guy. He's 35. <laughs> they added him uh, after he was released from the Giants. 
Uh, I bet that he turns out to be pretty solid for him. He was asked by Andrew Wagner, you know, what's it like changing teams and what gave you the belief in coming to the Brewers and that was going to work out for you? So this is off a question from our friend Andrew Wagner, Jake McGee. Yeah, that, that helps me a lot. They said they had a couple things um, what they saw. Um, it was kind of the same thing when I left Colorado, went to L.A. They had some things. So I'm always up for trying to get better and always taking new opportunities to, you know, make me a better pitcher and go forward from there. So the Brewers probably came to Jake McGee and said, hey, we want to sign you and we want to tweak this and that. And they're probably just going to use him down the stretch this year. I wouldn't be shocked if all if you turned into a really, really good reliever here for a couple of months. Daryl texts in. He says, middle of the road starter with future middle of the road money. That's the Ashby contract. Am I the only one that's really high on Aaron Ashby? Is public perception of Aaron Ashby not as not as good as, as my perception or I thought? Aaron Ashby is really talented, and he's got a mix of all of these pitches. Man, I, man I'm man, i amped about this. I, I think he's going to be a top-level starter. I think he's going to be what Lauer was before he kind of started being bad this year and giving up home runs. I'm not going to say that he's Corbin Burns, but he could be Woodruff or Peralta, and that's good enough to be an ace on a lot of staffs in baseball. I don't, I don't think middle of the road. I think his ceiling is a little bit higher than that. Now, middle of the road in the Brewers' order could mean, like I said, an ace on another staff. That doesn't mean he can go to the Dodgers and be a, a front-of-the-rotation starter, but I really like Aaron Ashby. He's got all the tools. I'm, You know what? I'm really excited to talk about this with David Gasper tomorrow because I think Gasper is going to be goo gaga for Aaron Ashby, like I am. Uh, I, I love this deal. I think it makes a lot of sense. It follows the blueprint that they used with Freddie Peralta. It shows that the Brewers believe in the way that they develop their players and they feel confident that Ashby will continue to get better because they like Ashby, but also because they know that the Brewers are going to continue to find ways to help him and develop him and make him better. Man, middle-of-the-road starter. Binks is down on this contract. Man, that's tough. A little, I'm a little frustrated with y'all. Where's the juice today? The Brewers won three in a row. The games were entertaining. And we're going to be ho-hum about this Ashby contract? I really like this deal. I'm excited. David Gasper reviewing the Brew will join us tomorrow. That should be a fun conversation. We've mentioned some random Brewers as well. Like I said, the uh, possible eligible players for the 2023 Baseball Hall, as I mentioned earlier, Beltran, Kane, Ellsbury, those are big names, but Andre Ethier, Houston Street, Mike Napoli, John Lackey, Jared Weaver, Jason Wirth. Wow. All-time random baseball guy names. Not random because they're going to be eligible for the Hall of Fame, but how many of those guys have you not thought of about in years? And now all these memories are rushing back. That's why I love baseball. We have so many guys who kind of live in our brain when they're playing, and then we don't think about them, but they're still up there. The memories are still there. Andre Ethier, boom, that rings a bell. Let's take a break. We'll get to Mike Clemens talk. Owners meeting, David Bakhtiari, all things Packers before training camp gets started here real soon. Mike Clemens will join us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. We'll get back into the Brewers. Uh, we'll talk more about the Aaron Ashby contract and three really entertaining games over the weekend. Doesn't mean the Brewers are all of a sudden bound for the World Series. But they were fun games and a great way to start the second half. So I want to talk about that more in the second half of the show. Also, I am very, very right about a specific NBA topic, and I'm very excited to talk about that. Uh, some news that broke early this morning. That's coming up at 530. Mike Clemens is here. His maiden voyage on the Wisco Sports Show for the 2022-2023 season. Mike, hello. How are you? Welcome back. Pretty good. I'm great. How are you, Grant? 
Uh, I've been well. I'm a little jealous because you're in Green Bay or you were in Green Bay and it's a beautiful day. It, it wasn't too hot for the shareholders meeting. I can't imagine sitting in the sun when it's 95, but it looked beautiful. It looked like a great time. It was. It worked out pretty good. Um, 8,600 fans there today uh, at the shareholders meeting. And, you know, this is no different than a Fortune 500 company, uh, which would usually have shareholders meeting in some hotel ballroom and maybe, you know, investors like Warren Buffett on <laughs> on a conference call. Uh, this, they, they come in and in recent years, they kind of shut us down in the media. They used to have a place where you could plug in and record this stuff. And now they don't really want you to do that. They'll let you take some pictures, uh, you know, B-roll shots for TV, if you will. Mm-hmm. But you pretty much have to take notes um, for whatever reason. Anyway, as you know, this is the only team in the NFL that has to open its books because it's publicly owned. And so you get an idea as to what these NFL teams are making. And as I put on my Twitter account, I did take a, a snap a picture of one graph that pretty much told the whole thing. How are the Packers' expenses? If you look back to the end of the 2019 fiscal year, the bar was pretty low. And at that time, Mark Murphy said, yeah, a lot of this is the changeover we made at coach. Besides having to pay Mike McCarthy $9 million to stay home for the next year, yeah, um, the, the turnover of his entire staff, that gets to be costly. Revenues and revenue sharing was down. But, you know, last year they made like $575 million in revenue. However, the treasurer got up today and said, yeah, but our expenses were pretty high last year. And like usual, the reason why is player contracts. So regardless of salary caps, the Aaron Rodgers contract, the Jair Alexander, you know, going on the books eventually, all that kind of stuff, they, they allot that into their expenses. So financially, the team's, you know, just doing great. Good, good. Well, as a shareholder, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad the team is being run responsibly uh, and economically under my, you know, I, 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 I'm I, a couple hours away, so I can't be hands-on with the way that I, I handle my ownership of the team. I saw that uh, <laughs> I saw that Mark Murphy swore today. We love that. I remember when he introduced Lafleur, he swore in his presser, and it went out on our station here in La Crosse and KTY, and I thought, oh, my God, okay. Uh, he said, sorry that there, we don't have many noon games at Lambeau this year, but that means they're a good team. That was one quote that I saw from Mark Murphy today. Right. You know, and the, he what he was discussing was, once again, for the ninth year in a row, the Packers will be in prime time five times. Yeah. You know, that's huge. You've got a team that's won 13 games three years in a row. That's a first for an NFL franchise and a first for a new head coach and Matt LaFleur. So then he went on to say, you know, some fans say, though, Gee, it'd be nice if we had more noon games for at home games. And he said, you know, if we had that many games starting at noon, that means that we had a pretty blank record last year. Yeah. You know, and he, so he used the S word. And, you know, and then he apologizes for it. And, you know, I'm telling you, Mark Murphy, a, it's a smart guy. He knows that we're not allowed to record. And so, you know, it's an inside joke to 8,600 of your your closest friends and fans, uh, you know, it's, it's calculated, but it's pretty smart. I'll tell you the other thing that actually got to me, the biggest ovation today was Brian Goodikins. The GM is up there and he's doing his presentation very much like the way Ted Thompson used to, you know, you hear from the treasurer, you hear from the, 
pro shop people a year from the uh, external revenue. You know, everybody on the board's got it. So then the, the general manager of football operations has to talk about changes or improvements to the roster. So he talked about that. He talked about players they drafted. He talked about changes they've made to the coaching staff. You know, they lost some guys like Nathaniel Hackett. They've elevated guys like Adam Stenovich from offensive line. So he goes through all those all those changes. And then he said, and then we felt that we needed to improve our special teams, so we hired Rich Passaccia. Oh, yeah. And he almost got a standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, the last time these fans watched the game here at Lambeau Field, uh, special teams are kind of hurting. So exactly. that way, and every time he even mentioned some of the players that they've drafted or picked up in free agency that they, he says, and we think he can help on special teams, that got another loud applause. So, yeah, we love that. You know, <laughs> the fans were sending the message back to the team, yeah, finally, you're focusing in on special teams. I love to hear that the owners, the shareholders, uh, making their voice heard. We're talking with Mike Clements. Uh, you hear him all of, uh, across our network. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Clemens NFL. So let's start really briefly with the non-football injury list. I see Khalif Bryce, Caleb Jones, Rashid Walker. Other than that, it's a lot of guys we know on the pup list. But let's start with the non-football injury list. Have you heard anything specifically about what's going on there? Why those guys are on that list, or is that not too big of a deal? No. Uh, well, you know, you the team's not going to tell you what it is, mm-hmm. you know, over the years, uh, these teams, particularly the Green Bay Packers, are like, if the player wants to talk about their injury, you can go ask them how it happened or what's bothering them. But we're not, you know, our head coach, our GM, is not going to, you know, open up the medical file on some guy. Uh, the, the player's got to talk first or the agent or whatever. That's their business. And that's even grown even more amongst players, Grant. I mean, you know, you can ask a, a player that you consider a good source just kind of for background, uh, you know, kind of off the record, and they genuinely they don't know. I mean, players are not sharing their personal injury situations with yeah. their with their colleagues because this is such a competitive business to get one of these 53 jobs on a roster that they don't want that stuff to get out. Um I thought it was interesting that, speaking of players, while I'm thinking of it, that Mark Murphy today said, you know, we did re-sign Aaron Rodgers, you know, nice applause. Yeah. He said, you're watching greatness every year from this guy. And they, he, then he said, and as for Devontae Adams, he said, you know, I admire the way Devontae Adams handled that situation this past year that led to his trade to the Raiders. And one day we expect him to be back here and inducted into the Packers team Hall of Fame. So, that's cool. you know, that's the way they wanted it to finish off that story. But the other big questions are what you what are you going to do on, on offensive line? Yeah, we got to talk about David Bakhtiari. He's on the pup. Now, there's some other guys. Um, Elton Jenkins, we knew that. He's on a different timeline, same injury. Dean Lowry, Kylan Hill, Mason Crosby, Tunyon. I, I get some of those guys. The real big story is David Bakhtiari. So what have you heard about? What's going on with him and why he's on the pup? And it, it depends on who you ask, Mike. Some people say that it's done for him. His career is basically over. And then others are like, well, let's wait and see. This could mean a whole myriad of things. So I, I guess I'm asking for your professional opinion. What should we be thinking about Bakhtiari on the pup? A week ago, Bill Michaels on his show asked me, what did I think was the prospect for Bakhtiari being ready to suit up? this week, week one of training camp, and I said 50-50. Mm-hmm. Although you've heard from the regular reporters up here 
I think a majority of them are saying, I think they're leaning towards him. He's going to be okay. You know, LaFleur said, well, gee, he did play in that game against the Lions, you know, at the end of the season. And I've been Mr. Yeah, but about it because of something that Brian Goodikin said and that about six weeks ago when he said, but we have to be ready to, if he's not ready, to adapt or move on. So, mm. you know, it. I mean, to me, the, you know, the, the medical staff has told the general manager it's 50-50 right now. We can't solve what's going on with every time this guy does some kind of a workout, that thing swells up and inflates and has to be drained over the next day or two. And we don't know why it's responding that way, or we do, but we don't know what we're going to do to correct it. All we know is this. The guy tore his ACL in a kind of a freak thing, a helmets and, and, and sweatpants workout getting ready for a game on New Year's Eve in 2020. Mm-hmm. He, uh, a year ago at this time, Grant, you watched David Bakhtiari on the sidelines, and he was high-stepping, yep. working with a trainer, a harness and a resistance. I took pictures of that. Or he would take some snaps in practice. And then he would have these setbacks, and finally in October they had to scope it and, and clean out what was going on in there. This spring, I was at every OTA, every mini camp. And he wasn't doing anything. He was he was mm-hmm. present every day, but just walking around. While you saw Tunyon and you saw the other guys in rehab, like a Dean Lowry who missed most of these OTAs and camps with some kind of, I believe, a leg injury. Maybe he had some off-season work done. That's why he's starting out on the PUP. Uh, but Bakhtiari was only observing. So what does that tell you? A year later, this guy isn't even working out. And usually... They want that workout to happen at the same time as practice to keep yeah. everybody in sync between the meetings, the free time, and all that. So, you know, and, you know, the, the sense was we're giving this guy three or four months to just totally heal. And then we'll gradually we'll try and bring him in. But whether or not he's back in a week, halfway through camp, September, or they give him a whole year, I, I think... Who knows? They they may shelve him for a year and say, come back in 23 because we believe in him. I think that's what they're looking at at left tackle. But that also, wide, that, that right tackle job is now wide open. All right, Mike, I got to go. I appreciate the time. We'll talk more very soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Mike. Look, I will buy into the Packers and their ability to make another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers when they are up double digits with less than two minutes left in the NFC Championship game. Because I'm not. I'm doing this again. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. We thank Mike Clements for his time. He's on Twitter at Mike Clements. I'm going to start calling him Mike Clements or Mike Buzzerbeater Clements. We'll always ask before we go on the phone. Okay, so we got till 59. Oh, okay, yep. And we're going up until 59. We're getting every possible second out of Mike Clements that we can get. There's just so many different possibilities and outcomes and uncertainties right now with David Bakhtiari. It's almost better to not dwell on it because we don't really know how this is going to go. Uh, Mike did a pretty good job of just describing exactly what the medical staff is going through. Well, we don't really know why it's doing this. And if we do know, we don't really know how to fix it, obviously. He seemed like he was very close to coming back. As Mike said, he was running against resistance bands. I mean, he played in the Detroit game. And then he did not obviously play again. And it seems now that he's farther away than he's ever been. He 
because he's just not doing anything. So maybe they're giving him as much time as possible. Maybe they just shelf him for this year as well, which would be depressing. But the thing is, they're invested in him big time over the next couple of years. So if they have to punt on this year to ensure that their investment in David Bakhtiari at some point pays off, maybe shelving him for the entirety of this year is... It's not the worst idea in the world. I mean, we'll see. We're a long ways off from having to make any sort of definitive decision like that. And I say we. Well, I am an owner. I am part of the team. Uh, So maybe they'll call and ask exactly what I think. Shareholders meeting was today. Good to see record profits uh, in my ownership stead. Uh, Obviously, I'm one of many. But uh, still, (laughs) I would have liked to go. I want to go to the shareholders meeting one day. Probably only need to go once. But I do want to go at some point. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you being here. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, We've been talking Packers. I kind of want to get back into the Brewers. And then I want to do some Bucks stuff, some NBA stuff at 530. There was a really big story this morning that I want to talk more about. It has to do with the Celtics and the Nets. And it certainly pertains to the Bucks and some of their conference rivals over the next couple of seasons as they try to get back to the finals after winning it all last year. So I'm very, very excited to talk about that. That's that's the meat and potatoes of the show. And I've been looking forward to that ever since I saw the news this morning that the Celtics and the Nets getting flirty, sending some trade offers back and forth. So I want to talk about that in a half hour. 608-796-2558. You can call and text there. Hector is in Alaska. Hector, good evening. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Grand just got done with some... Grocery shopping oh, after work. It's the worst. How about, how's your day? Uh, it's been, you know, it's been good. I just, I'm just glad that the Brews are back. We made it through the All-Star break, so we have games to talk about again. Mm-hmm. You start to feel a little bit lost in the wilderness when there's no sports going on. So last week. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy that sports are back, and it was a good weekend. Glad to hear that. Uh, what did you get? Even, anything specific at the grocery store? Anything unique out of the box? Uh, no. 98% of the time that I go to the grocery store, it's to get. Um, snacks and stuff, the four or five items that my kids will actually oh, eat. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Um, and my day, my, I have a day off tomorrow. I work six out of the seven days this week because we're shorthanded. I gotcha. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to go tomorrow on my one day off. So yeah, that's a good call. I just went tonight. That's very but, mature of you. I would not have done that. You're a better man than me. But uh, what's going on? Yeah. Do, you, do you want to talk Brewers? Do you want to talk Bakhtiari? What are you thinking? A um, little bit of a couple sports. So the thing with the brew, the thing with the Brewers is, you ever like you're not on the schedule for a certain number of days, and like you're excited to go back to work. Oh yeah, oh. Yeah. Um, that's what it felt like with the Brewers when they when I started watching on uh, their game coming back from the All Star break. It was like they missed being at work, and they're like, okay, well now I gotta really appreciate it, you know, kind of yeah. a thing. And it was it was fun to watch. And having, um, you know, most of our guys back was nice to see, too. Um, the Ashby signing, like you've explained, makes a lot of sense for the long run. I do also like that they signed McGee. My thought process with McGee is maybe they are thinking about moving somebody or making a trade if they signed another reliever then it wouldn't be such a big deal if we lost a reliever yeah kind of a thing so that's interesting to think about and then i was also going to mention something about the bucks and you literally just mentioned it before my call but how dumb 
would the Nat or would the Celtics be after they're two games away from winning a title? To because from what I've heard, they're thinking Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, a couple of picks mm-hmm. for Kevin Durant, who's going to play one season for sure, probably. Mm-hmm. And then after that, if you don't win a championship, guess what? Do you think he's going to stick stick around? No. Absolutely not. No. His generation, they're a bunch of quitters. They, they just want to move move on somewhere else. On to the next. Yeah. They're the participation trophy people <laughs> who they think they need to win, and if they're not going to win, then get me somewhere where I can win because I don't want to put in the work. I just want the result. Uh-huh. And that's why sports is oh, the, the sports is just a joke nowadays because where's the competition and that's why i scoff in the faces of people who say things like oh this generation way more talented than the last generation no it wasn't because when you think about michael jordan playing when you think about isaiah and the bad boy pistons how many of them tucked their tail between their legs and ran to the opposition to try to win a ring none nobody that's disrespectful to the sport you know what i'm saying yeah I do know what you're saying. So uh, the Celtics would be taking a huge step back for that, for the slim reaper who is going to blow away in the wind as soon as the time things get a little bit tough. So I think that'd be stupid. It would benefit the Bucks for sure <laughs> if, if Kevin Durant went down there. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And, man, I can't tell you how excited I am for football season. It's literally so close I can taste it. I'm, I'm, I'm real pumped. So oh, yeah. that's all I got, Grant. Appreciate it, Hector. Have a good night and enjoy your off day tomorrow. Yeah, you have a good night too, sir. Hector in on Alaska. Look at him running his errands the night before he has a day off from work. Now, that's that's just a mature thing to do. That's a grown man thing to do. I would not do that. I would stack up all my errands to the point where I would no longer enjoy my off day. So you're a better, you're a better man than me, Hector. Yeah, the Celtics offered, it seems, Jalen Brown and some other things for Kevin Durant. And I love that they did. Oh, it makes me so happy that they made that call. And made that offer, and it became public today from Shams through The Athletic. And then Wendy chimed in, and oh, it's just so good. Oh, it's it's fantastic. And I cannot wait to talk about that in about 20 minutes. Let's do some more on the Brewers before we move on. It was a good weekend of games. Can we just take a pause? Take a pause for a couple minutes here. Put down your swords. Put down your, your weapons. Put down your pitchforks and your, your torches. We've been arguing about whether the Brewers should buy or sell arguing on whether they contend with the big boys or they're just dominating a bad division, right? We're arguing about all these things. Can we just stop for two minutes here and appreciate that over the weekend we had three really fun baseball games to watch? There weren't very many games like that in the first half of the season. First half of the season for the Brewers was a slog and a grind, and it wasn't just because they were losing. They were under five hundred in the month of June. I think they were 12 and 15. And then they were 9-9 nine and nine in July before the All-Star break. So I guess now they're 12-9 and nine holistically in July. But the point, pre-break, 9-9, nine and nine, 500 in the month of July, three games below 500 in the month of June. It wasn't just that they were losing more games than they won. It was the way in which they were losing. And even sometimes the way they were winning. It's like, man, this sucks. Nobody's getting on base. Nobody's hitting doubles or singles or triples. Maybe Willie Adamas hits a solo shot at some point, but that's about the only offense that the Brewers could count on over the last two months. And even when their offense got going, that's when their starting pitcher would go in the tank, so it wouldn't matter. And on the random night where the offense was good and the starting pitching was good, well, then Josh Hader decided, eh, I don't want to close this game down. I'm going to give up a couple runs. Brewers are going to lose anyways. 
became very, very, very frustrating, right? This weekend was right in all of the ways that most of the first half games were wrong. Oh, it was so great. It was so fun to watch. I listened to almost the whole game on my drive home from Milwaukee yesterday. I never listen to games start to finish. I'll check in. I'll go to and from. I'll listen to a half inning, listen to some music. I'm just, I'm a sucker for music. I prefer music or a podcast. Sometimes Brewer games get a little long, but I, I listened to the whole thing yesterday because I knew even when they fell behind eight to six late in the game, uh, this seems like the type of game where I, I want to stay tuned in. And I did. And boy, was it worth it. Oh, it was great. The offense was seemingly playing with a whole new philosophy, a whole new approach. Go on Twitter, and I should have saved this for the show, and I didn't save the audio for the show. Go on Twitter and go find friend of show Hunter Baumgart, who works for the game in Milwaukee, uh, the Drew and KB show, which is actually on right now in some markets where this show is on as well. I believe they're on in Madison and Eau Claire. So I'm really going on a limb here. This is how good this audio is because I'm actually promoting the Twitter account of a direct competitor of mine. Hunter Baumgart, who has been on the show in the past, a friend of the show, he used to do radio on the cross. Love Hunter, UWL guy, go Eagles, right? He posted this uh, film clip uh, from the dugout of Andrew McCutcheon talking about how they had a long meeting over the break and said, we got to do some things differently on offense. And it made sense because I was listening to the Brewers come back in the seventh and the eighth yesterday, and I, I noticed guys are being really patient at the plate. A lot of pitches being thrown. I mean, I, I listened to some of these rallies. These rallies lasted from Johnson, if we're talking us. On 94 terms, which if you drive 94 enough, you get exactly what I'm saying. Some of these rallies lasted from Johnson Creek to DeForest. Wow. Long offensive rallies. A lot of time. A lot of pitches. Right. Mike Brasso, who brought the game within one with a double to the gap in left center, fouled off four straight pitches after falling behind 0-2 before hitting that double. Long battle of an at-bat. Rowdy Telez in the next inning, I believe in the eighth, Falls behind one and two, and then works a full count before singling to right field to drive in a run. And then Andrew McCutcheon, that double to center, came on pitch seven of the at-bat. So just yesterday it was clear. Brasso, the long at-bat. Rowdy Telez, Andrew McCutcheon fighting and putting together long at-bats. And then I saw that clip from the dugout, and I know a lot of beat reporters had it, but I'll shout out Hunter Baumgart because that's where I saw it on Twitter. I think he's HBOM24. I'll look it up. Uh, but he posted this awesome video about McCutcheon saying, not necessarily a players-only meeting, but they did talk about the offense over the break and said that's not good enough. It's not going to work if we keep trying to do this. Oh, he changed his his uh, handle. Good, good for Hunter. It's Hunter B on air. Uh, if you scroll down just a couple of scrolls, you'll see a video of McCutcheon. It's pretty good. Or you can look at my likes at Wisco Grant, I suppose. It's also there. Uh, 608-796-2558. You can give me a call or a text. I'm arguing with Daryl over text about Aaron Ashby and how I think he can be a frontline starter. And he said, well, go compare him to other rotations on league. And not right now, but in the future, in the future, Daryl, this is, a, this is a contract that was signed with the idea that in the future, he's going to continue to take steps, get better, and one day be a top-line starter the way Freddie Peralta has. Just compare this deal to the Freddie Peralta deal. It's the same thing. It's a great comp. Southside Scott is here, 608-796-2558. What's up, Scott? Good evening, Grant. Good evening, Scott. What's up with well, you? Well, being that I am a Rockies fan, I have enjoyed the, the last three games. Um, but I'm still going to say go Rockies. Go Rockies help <laughs> Brewers to win more games because the Rockies aren't going to be doing anything anything good anytime soon. Do the Rockies so, uh, potentially have any players that they might be interested in sending our way? Haven't really been paying attention to their roster. And they're not going to trade uh, Chris Bryant, uh, but... Well, 
Pretty much. No, Kyle Freeland's actually a pretty good pitcher. Mm-hmm. All right, I could be I can see him, and you know, yeah, he's. But otherwise, no. I mean, they traded, or, you know, Arenado a few years back, and that one hurt. Yeah, why did they do that again? Can you, as the Rockies, but now that I have you here, can you explain why the hell they did that? They just gave him away, basically. Because the owners are horrible. Well, yeah. That could be yeah, said, I'm sure, for a lot of baseball teams. You know what? You know what struck me this weekend? Charlie Blackman is still on the Rockies and still good. That guy's been there forever. Yeah, He's had the same was... beard forever. It's just a big part of my baseball fandom the last however many years. It's Charlie Blackman in that purple jersey. That would probably be a very good pickup if somebody was able to get Charlie Blackman. Is he on an 11, 12 game hitting streak, something like that now? Yeah, ever since he uh, fractured his foot from a foul ball, he started growing that beard and he's been dynamite. (laughs) Well, he wears it well. He looks good with that beard. We were talking about, uh, was it Jason Worth? Yeah, we we mentioned Jason Worth earlier in the show because I was looking at some possible Hall of Famers. A Jason Worth-like hair and beard. That same kind of yes, MO. Very much very much very much so. <laughs> so I'm actually hoping for a win for the Rockies tonight. That way we don't get swept. But if we do, it went to a good team. Oh, well, Scott, I appreciate this. Thank you so much. Wow. The, the vibes are good, even from a rival fan. Yeah. So take care. Yeah, have a good one. That is uh Southside Scott. Uh, we have a couple of Scots. We are in the process of, you know, tweaking their names to to really get it figured. <laughs> To figure it out. Remember the day we took three calls from Scots in a row? First two I thought were the same same guy. I thought the the guy was calling back. Uh, so ever since that point, we you know we're just we're working, we're weeding, we're editing, getting things figured out. Tim is in Sparta. What's going on, Tim? It's been a while. Hey, buddy. Good to hear your voice. I've been out of commission for a little bit. Oh. Um, but anyway, uh, two things. Mm-hmm. One, anybody that thinks that this contract for Adams is good. If he turns out to be a number three starter for them at eight mil a year, Mm -hmm. for God's sakes, that's bargain money. Yeah. Especially in a couple of years when the good Lord only knows how much it's going to cost. I mean, let's be serious. So so he's not a one or a two, say he's just a three or a four. Like I said, eight mil a year is going to be really, really cheap. Um, so I, I don't know what anybody has anything, you know, bad to say about this contract. I think it's a, I think it's a great move. Well, and he'll be under team control possibly until twenty twenty nine. Contract goes till twenty seven, but then there's team options in twenty eight and twenty nine. I don't know if you heard this, uh, Tim, but I made a joke. And I will retell it uh, for you and for those who have maybe joined the show in the process. I said, I said, by the time Aaron Ashby is no longer under team control, Hawaii and Oregon will probably have joined the Big Ten. Pretty good, right? And you're probably right on that. It seems like everybody is going to join the Big Ten these days. Uh, and then my second thing is just a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the Packers, everything is looking rosy except, of course, for... Uh, the big giraffe, we don't know what's wrong with that knee. He may never play again, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I trust Gutekunst. Somebody said, um, you know, that Ted Thompson never would have had signed that that extension and and was a better GM than Gutekunst. And I'm like, in what world are you living? Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Thompson was great for his first three or four years. Mm-hmm. But after that, I mean, it was a steady decline. What was it? The 
2015 draft class after three years there was nobody left on the team from it? Yeah. Something like that? 20, 2014 was really good. Like, I get what you're saying. Yes, there were certainly some some rougher drafts towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I like Ted. Don't get me wrong. I was never a Ted basher. Yeah. Uh, you know, early on he did some really good things. Then he started to try to fit too many, you know, round pegs and square holes, and mm. it just didn't work. Yeah. But my question is, is uh, the new Marty Schottenheimer? Is who the new Marty? I see you cut out. Are you asking if Matt LaFleur is the new Marty Schottenheimer? <laughs> yeah. Because oh, he's God. because he gets to a certain point, and that's as far as he can go. Now, I know the Schottenheimer never, you know, I, I love Marty as a coach, but it, he'd get to the playoffs, and something would go wrong. Yeah. Somebody who never fumbled the ball would fumble the ball. Somebody who never got hurt would get hurt. Somebody who never missed an assignment would miss an assignment, and he never could win that playoff game. And I'm wondering if LaFleur can get to a certain point, but like last year, the special teams we knew sucked, but they weren't that bad uh, all of last year. Agreed. And then Dylan, you know, Dylan gets hurt during the when we need him the most. You know, the first couple of plays in the second half, he can't play the rest of the way because he's got a busted rib. You know, is it just that maybe Lafleur might be snake bit? Hmm. So you, should we sacrifice him? Should we push him? Should we tie him up and throw him in a boat and push him out into Lake Michigan or something like that? Are you saying we just, no, because just, of his bad luck, we just need to get somebody else? I'm thinking that what we should do is probably get somebody, you know, with like a chicken leg to dance around him before a playoff game. <laughs> yeah, something. Well, Aaron Rodgers should know somebody. It seems like the type of crowd he probably hangs out with during the offseason. I'm sure that Rodgers could find a shaman somewhere that could remove the the playoff curse from his coaching. Yeah, he probably knows a guy. Maybe one of his, his girlfriends. Probably this newest one. She seems to be maybe Thanks. up to date on some of those practices. Thanks a lot, Grant. You have a great evening. <laughs> you have a good one. That's Tim and Sparta. It's been a while. It's good to hear from Tim. Uh, one last thought on the Brewers here from Dwayne, and then let's take a break. Dwayne from Bangor. He says, over the years, there's always a handful of guys that kill the Brewers at the plate. Blackman is one of them. Why pitched him with runners and first base open? I... I don't know. They were pitching to Renfro last night, too. I, they were they were definitely just grabbing the game by the horns yesterday. And the bats were just working. And I think the managers and the pitchers realized that. There's no point in walking guys, working around guys. Yesterday was just a day where it seemed, even when one team was up 3 nothing or up two runs, that the opposing offense was still going to have something to say about it. The bats were just jumping yesterday. I, I don't know that it was any product of management or bad pitching. The offenses were just ruling the day yesterday, and that's fun. We don't have enough days like that in baseball. It's way too often that pitchers, even average or or bummy pitchers, guys we've never heard of, it's way too often that those guys rule the day. And it's made for entertaining. Yeah, if you like good pitching, great, but not every night. And sometimes it feels like it's every night. Let's take a break. Come back. We can talk a little bit more about the Brewers and the Packers. And I got to talk about this NBA topic, the Celtics. <laughs> yes. I love what they did this morning. Love the headline that I saw when I woke up. And we'll talk about that. That's all coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Want to talk NBA here in about 10, 12, 15 minutes. I don't know. What next? We'll do it next. I don't know how many minutes. 
I'm not timing all of this. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Kyler Murray news a couple hours ago. This is funny. Uh, there's what's called an independent study addendum. <laughs> this, this contract makes it that Kyler Murray needs to have four hours of independent film study a week. This is so funny. And the fact that it leaked, the fact, like, this is such a bad look for Kyler. I mean, we'll give Mike Florio a shout out. He tweeted this an hour ago. The Kyler Murray homework clause is a colossal blunder by the Cardinals. It makes him look bad for not studying enough, and it makes them look worse for giving him all that money, even though he wasn't studying enough. <laughs> so if he doesn't do four hours of independent study a week, it's a default on the contract. Damn. So how do they enforce that? Baby monitors? A ring doorbell camera in his bedroom? Do they got to get a, a tutor? Oh, God, that's funny. Do you ever do the, the independent learning stuff like like Sylvan Learning Center? I had a buddy in high school. He's one of my best buddies. Uh, and I get to see him here in a couple weeks. He lives out west. I'm excited. I'll have to bring this up. In high school, his parents made him do an ACT prep course, which I think a lot of people do. Like, my parents made me do one, too, although, like, they paid for it. Like, they cost money, so that's, you know, a good way. Hey, Grant, we're paying for you to do this course. Please do it. Okay, that's a good check and balance, Mom and Dad. I see what you're doing there. Good call. Uh, but I got to do mine from home. I think most of it was online. There might have been some some pen and paper stuff, too. There might have been a book. Um, but I did the, you know, the ACT study stuff. I think I took it four or five times. My best score was the first time, which is such a... It's such a racket. They tell you, do it once, uh, and then study a little bit, and you're guaranteed a bump after your first try. No, my best score was the first the first time. So that's a load of crap. But I remember my buddy had to do ACT prep at Sylvan Learning Center. I remember commercials for that place. I think they're still around. And he had to go to a session on Super Bowl Sunday during the game. And I think that's the funniest. <laughs> it's like the funniest thing ever. I remember asking him, hey, what are you doing for the Super Bowl? Want to come over? Uh, no, there were a lot of expletives, and uh, he had to go study for the ACT during the Super Bowl, uh, which, if Kyler Murray's performance in his first ever playoff game told us last year, shouldn't be an issue. The Super Bowl and his independent study time should never conflict because Kyler Murray is a long way off from being occupied on the Super Bowl. If you want to text or call, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. I just got a clip tweeted at me from Zach and Wisco. I actually saw this over the break. There's this account called This Day in Sports Clips, and it's just random clips. Uh, on this day in 2012, you might remember this, Carlos Gomez pulls a foul ball in Philly but thinks it's a home run and proceeds to trot around the bases. Remember this? <laughs> I do remember this. I haven't thought about it in a while. This is why baseball is fun. You see an old name from 10 years ago. And you're like, man, I haven't thought about that guy in years. But it's still up there. The memories are in my head. I just, I haven't dug them out in a while. And it's the same with Carlos Gomez hitting a foul ball and then trotting around the bases like he hit a, like he hit a ding. He hit a ding dong. Anyways, that's funny. Thanks for the tweet. That's from Zach and Wisco. Again, I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Couple of encouraging signs this weekend with the Brewers. I wanted to mention Brent Suter was a useful non-garbage time reliever. If he can do that the rest of the year, it's going to be really, really, really useful. On Friday night when the game went to extras, he pitched full inning. And wait, I'm looking at the wrong game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll get it right here. 
So they win six to five on Friday night. Now I have the right game in front of me. He pitches two innings in extra innings, which is why I knew I was looking at the wrong box score. He struck out two, didn't give up any hits, no earned runs, both of those innings in extras. So there's a guy on second base. He threw 12 pitches total and 11 of them were strikes. Yeah, that's how to make your way through a game efficiently. Then yesterday he comes in later in the game, pitches one inning, one hit, one strikeout, no earned runs, 17 pitches, 12 of them were strikes. He gets the win. Brent Suter is probably never going to pitch high leverage moments for the Brewers in the playoffs. But if he can come in in games like Friday's game or yesterday's game and help them win games, I mean, if Suter stinks up the joint on Friday and stinks up the joint yesterday, the Brewers lose both of those games. Now they've won one of three instead of three in a row coming out of the break, and their division lead isn't at two and a half games above the Cardinals, right? Brent Suter just being a worthwhile, useful reliever just in regular season games makes a huge difference for this team. So if he can be a lot better like he was this weekend in the second half, that's going to help the Brewers stack up a lot more wins than than they would have previously. So that's something to watch. Let's focus on what Brent Suter's up to. Luis Urias gave us some some zest this weekend, some pep and some zing. He had the walk-off on Friday night, and then he made a couple of plays at third base. He had some swagger. He looked confident. And I know at one point in May, I remember telling David Gasper this, I was convinced Luis Urias was on a short path to becoming the Brewers' best player before too long. It's like, well, if, if I had to make a bet on who the Brewers' best position player would be next year at this time, I think I might take Luis Urias. Really high on him. And he started the year very, very good after being injured, and then he got hurt again. And I just, if Luis Urias could not just be an okay player, a good player, but a guy that has some flash and some flair and a little star power, make a huge difference for this Brewers team. And another thing I noticed this weekend, Mike Brasso yesterday, he might be the Brewers' pinch-hitting ace, their new Joe Inglet, if you will. Yeah, what a pull, speaking of random players from yesteryear. He's got a career OPS of 869 versus left-handed pitchers. It's actually at .974 in 2022. And for a team that doesn't hit lefties very well, and a team that just doesn't hit very well, period, it seems like Craig Council is content to use him situationally as a pinch hitter, and I love that. I think that's a great idea moving forward, and it's so Craig Council. Figuring things out as the year goes along, improving, and really boiling down players to what they're great at and figuring out how to use them best. And maybe we've reached that with Mike Brasso. Now, of course, it helps that Jace Peterson is hurt, so there's more playing time, there's more opportunity. But that seems to be a good role for Mike Brasso moving forward. Bring him in situationally to face the lefty. He's really, really good at it. So Mike Brasso is a situational guy. I don't know. Something that worked well yesterday. Brent Suter was good. Luis Urias showed some flash. Just some things to consider. If those things continue into the second half of the season, the Brewers are going to win more games. Doesn't really have any bearing on whether or not they can beat the Dodgers or the Mets in a playoff series, but it all starts with winning the division, winning games, building momentum, and Brent Suter, Luis Urias, and Mike Brasso in ways that we saw earlier this weekend. Uh, could help them win games like they weren't in the first half. Let's take a break. I want to talk NBA. The Celtics did something that we learned about this morning, and I love what the Celtics are doing. I'll tell you why coming up next. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills and i have been looking forward to this moment 
since the moment I opened my eyes and first checked Twitter this morning, I knew that this was going to be the highlight of my day, talking about what we're about to talk about. So not to put high expectations out there, but strap it. It's going to be fun. My name is Grant Bills. Like I said on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, 608-796-2558. Got a text from Dwayne Banger. I appreciate you, Dwayne. Downtown Billy. Wow, this is pertinent. Says, the only thing better than Giannis beating Kevin Durant in a Nets uniform is Giannis beating him in a Celtics uniform. Well, wow, isn't that the truth? Great text, Downtown Billy. And I'm sure there's some people that don't know to what you're referring. So let me fill you in. Let's start at the very beginning this morning when I woke up and I rolled over and I woke up to a very sweet treat uh, and it was a news story on my phone. It was way better than a pan of warm, fresh cinnamon rolls or fresh baked biscuits. This is, this is better than any breakfast you could cook me. The Celtics, according to Shams Sharania, made an official offer for Kevin Durant. Oh, and it included Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown was included in the offer. He was on the trade block. Willing to give him up. Send him to Brooklyn for Kevin Durant. Oh, this is too good. This is too good. Oh, I smiled, I smiled, I smiled. I was smiling up a storm before I even got out of bed. Let me take you back. Uh, not too long. Just a couple of weeks, although it feels much longer than a couple of weeks ago. June 30th, Kevin Durant requests a trade. I believe it was a Thursday, I believe. We talk about it on the show that night. I wake up on Friday and I go to the store. And on my way to the store, I record this Twitter video in my car. Uh, so that is the context. I will play the audio from this video for you now. Good morning, Bucks fans. Happy Friday. Uh, you might be feeling a little bummed, uh, feeling left out that your team, my team, does not have the assets to put together a trade for Kevin Durant. And we don't, and that's fine. Uh, the Bucks are very good, but it sucks feeling left out. I have an idea on how we can involve ourselves in this situation. And it's a very American idea. Uh, it's all about spreading disinformation online, specifically on Twitter. Here's what we need to do. Mount up on the burner accounts, the horse season accounts, the Bobby goat Twitter accounts, and, and tweet, 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 Jalen Brown and picks for Katie, Tyler Hero and picks for Katie. We need to throw, especially those two names, around as much as possible. We want them out in the ether because I want Jalen Brown looking at Twitter and saying, they're going to trade me. Look at my names being mentioned in trade talks for Kevin Durant. We need to manifest that. We need to sow discord and, and, and strife within the Miami Heat organization and on Heat Twitter and with the Celtics. We saw what it did when Ben Simmons was mentioned in trade rumors for James Harden. We saw what it did. It collapsed that version of the franchise. So we need to spread, 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 tweet, 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 Jalen Brown, Tyler Hero trade scenarios. We need to get that going, get it trending. Um, and just maybe, maybe Bucks fans, even as this, this silent sideline participant in this Kevin Durant. The following is a test of the West Wisconsin area emergency alert system. And maybe then he would want to leave the Celtics, whether it be via trade request or in free agency, whatever. I want my opponents to be weak. I want my opponents to lose. And the Boston Celtics, who eliminated the Bucs in the playoffs, now mostly because Chris Middleton was hurt, but they crossed me, right? They beat us, and I'm angry at them. 
Therefore, they are my enemy, and I want to destroy them. And I think the best way, and I thought weeks ago, let's get some trade rumors flying around. If Jalen Brown sees his name in trade rumors for Kevin Durant, all right, fine. Probably would handle it like a man. But when you consider that he was mentioned in Anthony Davis trade rumors and Kawhi Leonard trade rumors, mm, well, now this is a pattern of behavior. This is, <laughs> this is this is something else. So today I wake up and see that Jalen Brown and as many as three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps were laid on the table for Kevin Durant. Mm. Now, Jalen Brown has two years remaining on his contract, $56 million. So he's not on the brink of free agency, but we're trending that way. And I thought, oh, this is great. Oh, this is great. It is public. It is public. Great. Jalen Brown is going to see this. He is going He's going, to get, he's going to get angry. He's going to sour on the Celtics organization. Fantastic. Great. Now it got even better. Jalen Brown this morning tweeted SMH. Not only is he frustrated at the Celtics or frustrated today, he was frustrated enough to put it out there publicly on Twitter. Oh, oh, this is just too good. This is fantastic. Now, I'm not going to blame Jalen Brown if he's frustrated for being mentioned in trade talks. I'd be pretty pissed for one he actually showed up in the NBA Finals, unlike Jason Tatum. There's so many talk shows and podcasts and articles that I see where, well, you know, Tatum is untouchable, but maybe find something with Brown. Wait a minute. If I'm Jalen Brown, I'm thinking, why are you protecting my boy over here? Why is he so untouchable? He didn't even show up in the Finals. Why are you trying to trade me? I actually showed up, and I scored, and I made things happen. Sure, I turned the ball over a little bit, but at least I was trying. Like, I was being aggressive. I was being active. Jason Tatum just... He got, he got stars in his eyes in the finals. He was tired, too, but be better. Don't be tired. Be a man. That's generation. Okay, now I'm kidding a little bit. Tatum is untouchable, but we could always trade Jalen Brown. If I'm Jalen Brown, I'd be frustrated by that, too. Now, on one hand, I'm confused by the Celtics today. And on another hand, I also understand what the Celtics are doing. So I don't get them publicly offering Brown and picks for Kevin Durant. Because that's not enough. You need to include Marcus Smart or you need to include Time Lord. You need, you need a little more meat on that bone. The picks are almost secondary, right? You're going to get the picks regardless. Rudy Gobert got the picks, but you need something more than Jalen Brown. Now, Jason Tatum alone and picks, that might be enough, but we're not talking about Tatum. We're talking about Jalen Brown, okay? Offering Jalen Brown and picks for Kevin Durant was never going to be enough to see that deal through. And Brad Stevens and the Celtics had to know that. Now, I get negotiating you start far away you work closer together you counter offer I, I get that this deal Jalen Brown and picks might get Kevin Durant in two months might be enough when we get into training camp and if it becomes clear Kevin Durant actually doesn't want to be there and the market isn't really all that hot and they could get Jalen Brown and three firsts and two swaps okay that might be enough in two months but that's not enough right now and the Celtics had to know that so why burn this bridge? Whether it was yesterday or weeks ago, as Brian Windhorst suggested on Twitter and on ESPN earlier today, why do this? Unless it was the Celtics' intention for this to never get out. Now, I am led to believe maybe, just trying to problem solve this through, that maybe Sean Marks leaked this. Maybe the Nets general manager leaked this to sow chaos everywhere else because chaos bodes well for the Nets. Right now, there's a lot of happy teams around the NBA. The Grizzlies and the Pelicans have the young players and the assets to get Kevin Durant, but why do they want him? They're completely happy and content 
building it slowly with their young talent and their picks. They're not panicking about anything. The Bucs aren't panicking. They have their core. They're healthy. The Celtics aren't panicking, or they have no reason to. That's not to say the Celtics couldn't look for avenues of improvement, but the Celtics aren't panicking. Heat aren't panicking. They were banged up, and they came one game away, a shot away from the NBA Finals. Nobody's panicking. Everyone's happy in the NBA landscape. It would behoo of the Nets to try to create chaos any way they can. So the Nets and Sean Marks leaking, hey, everyone, guess what? The Celtics offered Jalen Brown and picks for Kevin Durant. That might not help them get a better package for Kevin Durant right now, but just the idea that they just want chaos. They want players unhappy at their teams. They want teams unhappy with their players and their situations. Everyone's too hunky-dory. There's no natural avenue for for a good Kevin Durant trade. For example, when Anthony Davis wanted out, L.A. was in turmoil. They weren't playing all that well. It's like, all these young guys, are they really good? There was a natural avenue, another team that was looking to move heaven and earth to get Anthony Davis there. There's no team looking to move heaven and earth to get Kevin Durant. The best landing spots, the best destinations, are pretty content with what's going on at the moment, including the Celtics. Now, unless Jalen Brown goes to Brad Stevens, the front office, say, look, you guys mentioned me in trade talks for Anthony Davis once upon a time, and I was young and I was developing. I get it. But I was the one guy who actually played well in the finals, other than maybe Robert Williams, and I'm on the block? Screw you guys. I want to trade. Or I plan on leaving in a year and a half. Or I'm going to ask for a trade next year. Or get me out early. Right? And I want to go to Brooklyn. And now Jalen Brown is an asset with some leverage and saying, I want to be traded and I'll only go to Brooklyn. Now that, that helps Brooklyn. So I'm led to believe that this leak must have come from the Nets because there's no positive outcome for the Celtics from this. Now, if Jalen Brown ultimately isn't bothered by this and he comes into work as a professional, fine. But there's no positive outcome. There's there's no way that this further makes the Celtics better. It can only make them worse. So I don't get this going public. Leaves me to believe it must have come from Brooklyn or or leaked accidentally. Now, I do get why the Celtics are in the Kevin Durant business. I do get this. The Celtics are a very good young core, a lot of good players, good young coach. Yes. But they know they're a second round out last year if Chris Middleton plays, okay? And the Celtics brass watched Jason Tatum completely and totally disappear in the finals. And we can debate on why that happened. He was tired. Okay. Well, Steph didn't look tired. The Warriors didn't look tired. The Heat didn't look tired. Might have been tired or maybe just got freaked out. Maybe it was too much. I, I don't know. We saw how Tatum disappeared in the finals. And the Celtics thought, oh, boy. If we ever want to have the best player in a series against the Bucks or against the Heat, it's maybe not enough. Maybe we need someone with Tatum. Maybe we need to go get someone. And I like the Malcolm Brogdon and the Gallinari additions, but aren't they more of the same for the Celtics? Like, Brogdon's a, a more pure true point guard, sure, but their issue last year wasn't really depth, except for maybe depth on the wing, and, and Gallo helps that, sure, but... Do we think that Gallo, if he's on the Celtics last year, do we think the Celtics are NBA champs? I don't. No. They need to get better at the top. I also, I think it's funny that they're trading the guy away uh, who wasn't the problem in the finals. Jalen Brown wasn't the problem. It was Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum wasn't doing enough. Uh, We get a text here from Scott. Says, there goes the weather test. Missed part of your rant. Oh, sorry about that. Well, how long did this last? Couldn't have missed the whole thing. You get the gist of what we're talking about. I think it's hilarious. Because what I wanted a month ago was for the Celtics 
to get some trade rumors out there, get some scoops that Jalen Brown was on the table, just piss off Jalen Brown, make every everyone unhappy. That's great. That's what I wanted. And it's happened. Jalen Brown even tweeted about it today. Now, n- nothing might come from this, but still, it's pretty funny. It's awesome. It's great. Great day to be a Bucks fan. Let's take a break. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I just think it's awesome, fantastic stuff that Jalen Brown is being mentioned in Kevin Durant trade rumors. I'm going back and forth on the text line with our Celtics guy, Chris Porter. And he, so he's skeptical that this actually happened. Chris says, Brad Stevens is on the record saying the Celtics only want to add depth. He feels good about what the team already has. Yeah, but his actions would say otherwise, unless, of course, you don't believe what Sham says. And then we're reaching, like, Packers fandom-level denial. Oh, Adam Schefter says it. It's not true. Well, it's, it's, it's probably true, though. It's probably true. I mean, maybe not. Also, don't slander Wendy. Do not come at my guy, Windhorst. That guy's right about everything all the time. Don't, don't, don't be slandering Windhorst. Dwayne from Banger. Appreciate the texts. Glad that you're a part of the show. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. I just love that Jalen Brown is being included in trade talks. And look, Chris, you are a Celtics fan. I'll speak directly to you because you uh, have been a texter and a caller of the show in the past. And we've had our our follies back and forth. It doesn't really matter if it's true or not, (laughs) which is the great and the terrible thing about the Internet in 2022. Uh, A classic Joe Rogan thing would be so, Chris. If you are the Celtics guy and you're on my podcast and I'm Joe Rogan and I say, yeah, um, I don't have a Joe Rogan impression. So I'll just it's it's about what I'm saying, not how I say it. I'll say, yeah, Chris, I uh, you know, I saw something the other day. Was it from Shams? Woj, Jamie, can you can you pull this up? I swear I, I thought I saw Jalen Brown being put in trade rumors for Kevin Durant. I swear it was it the other day. Where did I see it? Oh, yeah, here it is. And then I would read it to you. And you would say, yeah, actually, Sham Sharania, it's been proven in the past that he actually doesn't have the tightest grasp on what's going on in the Celtics, so this might actually be fake. And I would say, as the Joe Rogan uh, individual in this cosplay, I would say, yeah, I guess it's not true, but it kind of seems like it is, and isn't that what really matters? And you'd go like, what the hell? But in this instance, it actually, it doesn't really matter if this is true. Shams reported it, Woj reported it, and then Wendy basically said, yeah, it probably was said weeks ago. They've been hashing this out for a while. It doesn't really matter if it's true or not. The fact is, it got reported. And this is a pattern of behavior, Chris. I feel like I'm only talking to you. This is a pattern of behavior. The Celtics included Jalen Brown in trade talks for Anthony Davis, for Kawhi Leonard. At some point, this starts to wear on a guy. Look what it did to Ben Simmons. The James Harden. Tra- now, I, Jalen Brown is a lot tougher than Ben Simmons is. Um, but this is the kind of thing that gets sour on an organization. You know, you, you think you know a guy. You think you know a team. Jalen Brown signing a nice deal. He's always said he likes Boston, wants to stay there. And yet they keep trying to trade him. Man, it's 
kind of thing that could sour a great player on an organization. And if Jalen Brown were to leave in free agency in two years, man, that would do a number. It would do a number to the core of the Boston Celtics. Really would. Especially if Jason Tatum's going to continue to be a no-show in the playoffs. Really outside of that one game against the Bucks, where he just had to go off for 45, which I give him credit for. Well done. Uh, you know, maybe score more than 18 points a game in the finals. Maybe we can go to the next step, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, tomorrow. Wow, there's some things I want to get to tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're going to break down what happened at Lambeau today, the shareholders meeting. We're going to have a meeting of the owners tomorrow. Can't wait for that. We're not going to get bogged down in the boring stuff, but I do want to talk about it. I also want to talk about some uh, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams drama. Devontae Adams has found his tongue in a tailpipe. What's the expression? Tongue in a tailpipe? Something like that? Tongue in a tongue in a tie-dye. I don't know. But he's in a sticky wicket. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Enjoy the final game of Brewers-Rockies tonight. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4.